<laughs> What's happening, weirdos? <laughs> What's happening, weirdos? What's happening? This is a great episode. Yeah. I don't know. I'm always so happy. We just hit record and we just talk and we're so excited to have this time yeah. with you guys and together. And it just flows. I know. Actually, right as you were hitting record this time, I was like, I thought to myself, I have no idea what we're going to talk about. I have that too. I, I was going to the bathroom and before and I came out and I was like, I don't know what we're going to say. And I, it's like doing stand-up or improv. You're like, or therapy. Mm. You're like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about this time. Yeah. But because it's so comfortable and fun and because you guys always follow us wherever we go and you're so supportive and lovely, yeah. uh, we had a really... It's a safe space, so we had such a great conversation. So thank you for joining us. If you like the show and want to show your support, the best and most effective way to support us is to try a Pete's Pick. Like Brooklinen, the softest, best sheets and home essentials company that we found. I found from another podcast, and now they are a Pete's Pick. If a lot of your life is still being lived at home, then make your home as comfortable as possible. Make it a refuge, an oasis, your personal zen zone. So go ahead and max out on the extra soft sheets, super plush towels, and loungewear, and get the best of it all from Brooklinen. Brooklinen was created to, uh, sorry, Brooklinen was started that's another way of saying created. Yeah. Brooklinen was created to create beautiful, <laughs> high-quality home essentials that don't cost an arm and a leg. And people, what a success. Brooklinen works directly with manufacturers to create luxury, uh, luxury-level products available to you without the luxury-level markup. So you get their amazing array of products at a reasonable price. They've cut out the middleman. Brooklinen has something for every comfort need, ideal for a seasonal refresh because they're launching launching new products, colors, and patterns all the time. I'm talking about buttery, soft, and breathable sheets, plush, absorbent towels, cozy robes, and comfy loungewear you'll want to put on and never, never take off. They're so confident in their core products, they come with a 365-day warranty, and fans are confident, too. They've received over 75,000 five-star reviews and counting, and their customer service is incredible. They must get eight hours of sleep every night because they're a dream to work with if you ever have an issue. We did a complete Brooklyn and overhaul. We haven't looked back. As I always say, we used to look forward to staying in hotels because they had better sheets than we have at home, and we didn't want to pay a huge price to do that at our house. Brooklyn and solved that problem for us. We didn't have to spend an arm and a leg, and we have great five-star hotel sheets on our bed, and we love it. And as much as we sleep, or at least are on the bed playing with the baby, whatever it might be, we love it. Haven't looked back. So give yourself the comfort refresh you deserve and get it for less at Brooklyn and go to brooklinen.com and use promo code weird for $20 off with a minimum purchase of 100 bucks. That's B R O O K L I N E N.com and enter promo code weird for $20 off with a minimum purchase of $100. Thank you, Val. I was just weird. That's brooklinen.com promo code weird. That's right. Secondly, Right here. Val, you know what that is. <laughs> what if you didn't? Alpha Brian. <laughs> oh my God. It's Alpha Brain. It's a nootropic that helps support memory and focus. It's been my secret weapon for the past six, seven years now. I haven't done a podcast. I haven't written a script. I haven't done stand up. I haven't acted. I haven't even I gone. I haven't done any of those things either. <laughs> <laughs> without taking Alpha Brain first. Valerie, how dare you? I love it. It is such a boost to my creativity. To my ability to use my brain at its highest capacity, access my language.
language, access my memories. I, I'm writing scripts right now. It is such a huge help. It offers daily cognitive support. It's not a stimulant like caffeine. It doesn't get you all jacked. It's earth-grown ingredients that gives your brain the food, the nutrients that it needs to operate at its highest level. I wish I had it in college. I'm so glad I have it now. It is a real game changer. I have it in my car. I have it in my backpack. I have it in the pockets of all my jackets. I swear by it. And if you like it one-tenth as much as I like it, you're going to shit your pants. So show your support of the show. Go to onnit, O-N-N-I-T dot com slash weird. And you'll get 10% off, not just Alpha Brain, but everything you see on that landing page there. That's onnit.com slash weird. And show your support of this podcast. Last but not least, a newer Pete's pick is Liquid IV, the hydration multiplier. You put a stick of Liquid IV into your water bottle, you shake it up, and it, with science, makes 16 ounces of water give you as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. It is the hydration multiplier, which most recently was so essential whenever you're feeling like you might be getting sick. Obviously, it's important to stay hydrated. And when I got my second vaccine, I heard all the horror stories that people were getting sick. And both Val and I chugged a case of liquid IV over that weekend. And it really carried us over. Such a good secret weapon, especially after hikes, after we sauna. People who drink say it's very, very helpful for hangovers. And I love it to jumpstart my day, clear my headspace, and give me energy. Uh, Liquid IV, how does it work? It provides two to three times more hydration than water alone because it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana, healthier than sugary sports drinks, no artificial flavors or preservatives, and less sugar than an apple, made with clean ingredients, non-GMO, vegan, and gluten, dairy, and soy-free. It's the optimum ratio of glucose, sodium, and potassium that delivers the water and nutrients into the bloodstream so you can actually use it. The perfect balance to help you hydrate more quickly and effectively than water alone. And they're an incredibly generous company. Liquid IV is on a mission to change the world. The company is donating 4 million servings in response to COVID-19. Products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active military. Liquid IV has donated over 10 million servings globally. So it's a company you can feel good about supporting. So grab your Liquid IV currently in bulk nationwide at Costco, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use promo code WEIRD <laughs> at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order, and you get better hydration today using promo code WEIRD at liquidiv.com and show your support of this podcast. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy You Made It Weird 36. Sorry, you made it. We made it. Weird. 36. <laughs> I fucked up. We made it weird. Weird. Say it. Get into it. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> Somebody really needs to hear this. Ooh, Yeah, what are they saying? We're gonna have a pass in the beautiful sun. Yeah, uh, wait. If I had to guess, like, gun to my head, guess. 
Which it's like, if there's a gun to my head, things. I hope things are going to get brighter. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, things someday. are going to get easier. No, give we'll, me your guess we'll first. We'll walk in the light of a beautiful sun. Hey, lyric find. Just give me the lyrics. Don't <laughs> try to sell me some lyric thing, you son of a bitch. Here we go. I'm going to say... We'll, we'll walk, walk in the glory of a beautiful sun. No, we'll walk in the light of the of the beautiful sun. I'm not updating my flash player to get the lyrics to fucking Ooh Child. This is why nobody knows the lyrics. It's impossible to Even look them up. Even in the 70s, this is what the problem was. Yeah. Well, you know that's my special song. That's your special... Okay. <laughs> you adorable man. Yeah, it's my special song. What do you mean that's your special song? It's my special song. <laughs> I worked it. Everybody, everybody knows this story. This is a classic Pete. Well. I was in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, a town that smells oh, yeah. like Wonder Bread. You already know it. But tell it. You already know it. Tell it. You already know it. Tell it. And it was my first, I was opening for Willie Tyler and Lester. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I don't, I didn't mean to say like Lester. He was a nice guy, sweet guy. And he was, I mean, there's so many moments I remember. I, he was playing the lottery and I remember asking him if you win would you still do this and he looked at me with the best boy you crazy face I've ever seen <laughs> not just you're crazy like boy you're crazy like what you, you're like you're a fool if you think I would be in Cedar Rapids Iowa in a basement comedy club performing for 30 40 pe- people every night yep. if I won the lottery yeah and I but I was so pure and like excited about stand-up at that time Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I still am, but I mean, like, I'm not... Now you would be giving that. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, there are other people I worked with. I remember... Um, well, I don't know if I want to say... Well, it is Jim Gaffigan, but Jim Gaffigan was like... I don't know. He said it as a good thing. Yeah. He, I was working the Cleveland Improv with him, and we were having a really good weekend. And he was like, you know, if my show was still going, he had a show called Welcome to New York, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd be here. So mm-hmm. he said it kind of wistfully, like, yeah. this is good. Yeah. Like, I'm doing this. I'm back hard at stand-up. And look at how that really paid off for, for Jim in a huge way. I don't just mean financially. He's, like, really filled out the suit and come into his own Jim Gaffigan-ness. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, the you know the rest. I, I got in the car. I just ate shit the whole weekend. Just did pretty poorly. And then I got in my little rental car. Or maybe it was my car. Uh, to drive back to Chicago. And that song came on the radio. That's how old Aww. this story is. Um, that I'm pretty sure I had a tape player. Remember those tape players that you could hook up to your iPod? Oh yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, this is pre-iPhone. It was the tape, like you put a tape in that had a cord, a cord. Yeah. that you could put in your it's, iPod. It was like a deep sea diving cassette tape yep. that you would send into the depths, the, it's 50 leagues into your stereo. The, how? <laughs> I, st- I mean, I don't understand. That was great. I don't understand most of technology but i really don't understand how you couldn't get no i get what it you need. like what are you tricking and there was like a tss of a tape so yeah, it was playing was. a tape it was playing a tape but it was you playing your ipad i also iPod. yeah your ipod i also had one this sucked anybody that bought this piece of shit knows there was one that was called like i radio it was not an apple product it plugged into the top. I, I don't want to disparage the fine people at Apple. <laughs> they um, own everything. They are our gods. <laughs> they, <laughs> um, but I, it was like this little um, tube that would plug into the earpod hole jack, the headphone jack, uh-huh. 
or maybe it plugged in the bottom, it doesn't matter. And it would tell you to tune to 88.1. What? And it would take over 88.1. You could set it to different stations. Like if you happen to be in an area that had an 88.1, you could change it to 88.7. But just for you. Just for you. So it would broadcast, literally broadcast, a little signal into your car. How would that... And the radio would play what your... But it was the worst. It sounded like this. Like, it would... It was the fucking worst. I don't understand how that radio station wouldn't then be playing your... Like if somebody else turned to 88.7. It's it's because it was... This is just my understanding of it. Yeah. The radio is is not playing anything. It's picking up signals. And there is no signal for 88.7. So my iPod and this little transmitter would become... Ah, got it. But it it is... What makes it sort of... You understand CB radio, or certainly we're both big ham radio heads. What the fuck are we doing? Like, why are we talking about this? Oh, I didn't. I was. To me, there was like a a like big ham radio. Uh, yeah. No, tell me, tell me. I know what I, I think. I guess it's like I don't know. It's hard to explain, but like <laughs> it, there's the the one level of the joke that we were both laughing at. You're laughing at ham radio. You're laughing at the idea that we would be really into ham radio, right? Like, but to this day, yeah, exactly. Like in the '90s. People still were, it, those were the end days of the ham radio, but you could go into your little shack, where is you definitely were keeping your pornography as well. Yeah. <laughs> and uh-huh. So you had like a little gardening shed and you had your ham radio and you'd just like have a pen pal in Russia. And we all thought that was so weird. Like the ham radio club was the only club below chess club. <laughs> like yeah. chess club, math club. Sure. I, looking back, those are great things. Like, I am such a dad. Like if Lila was, I, someone made fun of me for being in chess club. I'm like, they're idiots. Yeah. I was an idiot making in my head, not to them, but looking through the yearbook and you'd see the drop off. Here's uh, math club, mm-hmm. which was impossibly more popular than chess club. And you'd see uh, some of the people you knew, mm-hmm. but there'd be 12 people. And now you're going to chess club and it's only eight people, mm-hmm. but it's the same people. Mm-hmm. And then ham radio was usually two kids. <laughs> so those... in the yearbook, it would be like, I think his name was Ethan. I remember him. I, I, I was, it was like threatening to me. Yeah. It was like, a, what do you think you're better than me? You're talking to someone in the Czech Republic. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's funny that that was... Threatening. Well, and that's Boston. Like, what are you better than me? Yeah, that they jump to that for everything. What's funny is for those two kids, they were having the same experience with the yearbook, but in the inverse, where it was like, okay, I know everybody from the ham radio club. That's me and Phil. Yeah, <laughs> and then I know about twelve people from the chess club, and then you get into. Yeah. You know, math, and I know those people, and then like you eventually get to like the sports, and they're like, and I, don't I don't know, know any of these motherfuckers. <laughs> that that is what high school is. It's like yeah. let's break you all up. Yeah. You all were just a group, and now it's like let's make clubs and let's make cliques. So not only the cliques. 
But the school itself is going to be like, and they should. I'm not saying this is wrong. Yeah. Based on your interests, we'll make new clubs. The first time I saw that was, or really felt that was gym class. Mm-hmm. And then I remember it was like, uh, I've never done a, a draft, like a fantasy football draft. But they'd have us in the center of the gym. Yeah. Mr. Hunt. Hmm. who even then was 300 years old. Uh, yes. And he, he called me Holmesy. That's and cute. Yeah, he was old school, though. He, he was definitely like, let's go, ladies! <laughs> like, a little bit like that. And uh, there was nudity in the locker room. Nobody likes it. I, Mr. Hunt was not there for that. I'm just saying all yeah. of the classic Wonder Years oh, yeah. tropes. Oh, yeah. I was actually really glad because I went to a private school. And then when I got to a public high school, I was like, oh, this is what I've seen on TV. Like, yes. the weird gym teacher that's like let's move it ladies like yeah. that i really don't know if he ever said ladies but that was the feel mm-hmm. anyway they'd put us in the center of the gym as if they were letting us go in a toy store <sighs> and they'd go it's first come first serve go sign up for whatever uh elective you want like what sport do you want to play and i just remember being like what yeah. so like they'd w- blow the whistle and then all the kids that were athletic they knew they really wanted to play baseball. They really wanted to play basketball. They, and, and, and me... And you were like, is there a ham radio sign Oh, <laughs> my Jesus. Yes. If ham radio was a choice. So it was just me and the other doughy kids, and would, and I say this lovingly, would sort of, conf, like confused penguins, would just sort of waddle around <sighs> to everything that was closed. We knew it was closed. We were like, let the sharp-jawed... Kids with abs, you're 14, you have abs, get the fuck out of here, go do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And I'd always end up in weight training, which was the... That's what I did too. I think we've talked about this. Maybe. Which was, no one wanted to do weight training because it was just like, uh, what is the word? Rudimentary or yep. like, but it's worse than rudimentary. It's like, this is for people who don't know how to do anything. Yep. And then I would take weight training and I was like, I remember being really nervous for first weight training class. I was like, what is this going to be? And it was just me, and I say this with love, if we're going with the freak and geek model, it was me and the freaks yep. and the geeks. Yep. It was me, so that, that means... Your people. <laughs> the, my people. <laughs> we're talking the trench coat dandruff kid. That's- you know trench coat dandruff kid. <laughs> oh my God. Wait. wait. <laughs> okay. And I love trench coat. Tren- no judgment to trench coat. Dandruff. Trench coat dandruff kid was great. He, he had the best great. toys. And I just think it's important to know. And I again, do mean toys in high school. Yeah. And I still played with toys too. And like they had like kind of longer fingernails and they yep. were, there was always dirt underneath them. Yep. Okay. And they were kind of yellow. Yep. I'm, I'm saying this with love. And also the, what's the mustache? Crestache. Crestache. They all had crestaches, which I thought was cool. I am, I was I didn't friends. Think, I didn't think the crestache was gross. I was like, I, I've got nothing. I've never shaved in my life. And you've got a crestache? Like, yeah. this is incredible. I was and friends with... And tinted glasses, like transition thick right. glasses. That's what I was going to say. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was just... It was somebody else's episode of the podcast that you did that I listened to and you made me laugh so fucking hard at <laughs> transition lenses, but they never fully, fully went either way. Yeah. They were always right in the middle. What was that? Like, yes. how did we all know this kid? The, and fi- the Arnold was- Palmer of the lens. It was a 50 50 lens. Because he never, he was never at the beach and he was never fully in a dark room. So he was always just rocking, like, just like a but I don't think Angela it, Lansbury level. It, but, but it, she didn't even wear glasses. I definitely don't know. wasn't transition lenses. They were just, 
light lenses that you buy. Yeah. It was the style. But it was the style for trench coat kid. It was the style for trench coat kid's dad, who oh. was definitely a photography enthusiast <laughs> and loved Captain Morgan. And like <laughs> specifically taking pictures of tide pools. <laughs> Hilarious! I was I yeah was I just talking? No, I was talking to Noah about this. Hmm. That in the nineties and the eighties, if you were really into photography, I swear this is a thing. I think I, I'm being older than you. I think I, I might be reporting on this to you, but maybe you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. If you were a guy in a khaki vest like John Hopper's vest uh, in Blues Traveler, yeah, but it's just filled with rolls of film, those black rolls uh-huh. with the gray, gray cap, black yep. roll, yes, filled with that like shotgun shells, but it's it's a uh, film, a film canister, tons of pockets stuffed with other cameras, and you had cameras <laughs> on your neck. Huh? I know. There was just an assumption that you were a pervert. Like <laughs> it, it was, it was like, like it, it was like this. It was like ham radio. I'm, like ham radio was the internet before the internet. What are you doing talking to people outside of our village? Yeah. And now it's so normal. Yeah. Chat roulette is basically ham radio, essentially, or, or, or like zooming with other with strangers or clubhouse. These are just like ham radios, basically. Yeah. Um, so they were right. And now it's so normal to take photographs of everything and everybody's all about pictures. But if you, in the early times, yeah, if that guy, you know he has a mustache, you know he's bald, uh-huh. you know he's wearing a fishing cap, uh-huh. and you know he's going to the beach. Yeah. What are you doing at the beach, camera guy? Yeah. There was just something about like... The dark room uh-huh. developing. Oh, the photo. And, uh, sorry. Well, taking pictures used to be, I'm so with you, by the way, and I know, I'm, I know exactly what you mean. And I feel like it's because taking pictures now, the experiences that we have are exclusively about taking a picture, That's doing right. it, and posting it. That's right. It's not about the experience, as we know. It's right. fully about just when telling you, people. We were talking about having another baby. I was like, do it for the gram. <laughs> yeah. When people ask why we want to have another one, I'm just going to be like, mostly Instagram reasons. Yeah. Um, but like... JK. So, so taking photos <laughs> is like the most normal thing now. But then... It really is, it was such a rare occurrence to have a camera that you're like, what are you taking pictures of, you yeah. pervert? Yeah. You you're going to look at wanting... now, later? Yeah. And just I, and being was... like, you you must be wanting this for like a voyeur reason. It was also, okay, this is huge. I don't know if I've talked about this, probably, but there was a video magazine. See, I loved uh, America's Funniest Home Videos. And I love camcorders, and I love making funny videos with my friends. Yeah. The Terminator being our best work. Spoon Boy, lesser known. Uh, Spoon Boy. Spoon Boy was a ripoff of Banana Man. When Eric eats a banana, he becomes Banana Man, which was on Nickelodeon. Uh-huh. So that was like the first like lo-fi word. When Eric eats a banana, he becomes Banana Man, right? <laughs> So, but it was a joke on superheroes. Like, what if it was just he eats a banana? Yeah. And then we were like, well, what if every time this kid, it was Ern, touches a spoon? And we got this from somewhere else. We didn't make this up. But the spoon had superpowers. Oh. Not him. Oh. But the spoon could funny. lift him. We didn't make that up. That, okay. We're getting that from something else. Mm-hmm. But then we would edit them in the camera, but we would make it all. Anyway, so I loved monitors and cameras. So I would get 
video magazine. I didn't buy it, but it was at the library. So I'm sitting with dandruff, dandruff uh, trench coat. He's taking his glasses off because it's kind of dark in the library. <laughs> um, I remember there was a, I don't know if he had dandruff. He didn't have dandruff or a trench coat, but the kid that really exemplified this for me, his name was Soren. Oh. I mean, just... Couldn't... Chef's kiss. Yes. Soren. Soren played a Marilyn Manson song at a at a church talent show. Oh, my he played, God. Yeah, it was just him. And I thought Soren was cool, but Soren and I started changing paths. I went hard for the Lord, and Soren was like... I'm going to really freak the Lord out right now. (laughs) (laughs) So he's doing that. And he's going, sweet dreams. um." I saw this. And then the amp started feedbacking. No one else was in control of the amp. It's not like some rascal for the Lord could like change the levels and and mess it up for him. It was just him. Yeah. And then like, I'm pretty sure unless it was the PA, but anyway, the Lord himself or the Lord himself. (laughs) But that was the feeling was that he had to stop playing (gasps) because the feedback was too great from the mic and the, and the amp or something. And he just got frustrated. and was like, Oh, forget it. I'm like, Sora, no. (laughs) Um, But I remember being like, you shouldn't play this. Marilyn Manson. It was at the height of his Marilyn Manson. Oh yeah, death. and and every Christian on the block was we were all terrified. Scared. There's like, no joke. This is Satan, right? Yeah, like, this is exactly what Satan looks like. Yeah, what a brilliant <laughs> scheme to be yeah. like. All these people already believe in this. I'll just be it. Yeah, and then you'll pay to see me, like because like Halloween. Yeah, you want to see it. Yeah, you want you. You're like curious. Like, what's he gonna do? Yeah. And, and anyway, so Soren. Uh, so I got Video Magazine in the library, the Lexington Public Library. Mm. And I remember this, that it had ads in it. You know how like Rolling Stone back in the 70s and 80s would have like ads in the back, like grow your own weed mm. or like just things like that. We're like, we know you like music. You're probably smoking weed. Well, Video Magazine was like, we know you're taking pictures. Here's a huge insert that was sealed and written in gray letters across diagonally, I still remember vividly, adults only, adults only, adults only. And you'd have to cut it open. So it was two pieces of paper sealed. Whoa. And then it was inserted in it. So it was just one piece. Uh-huh. And then you'd have to cut it with your finger or whatever. And then inside was a leaf. So two pages. Uh-huh. And I'm not kidding. The most hardcore stuff I've ever seen in my life. What? I don't know what the appropriate term is uh, these days. I'm not trying to be funny. For women that also have penises, but they have they have both. Stuff like that. Wow. So pornography of like, you, you haven't even seen a vagina, and now you're seeing a, a vagina, and they also have a penis. Oh. And like they're, like snuff films, they had black letterbox oh. over their eyes, and oh. it was black and white and like sort of washed out. And it was the most confusing. You're finally seeing boobs, (laughs) kind of, but they're like in bondage or something. And you're like, I think I like that. Like, it would give you, I have to imagine the same, I don't want to say finding a dead body would be a rush, Mm. but in that sort of like, uh, what is that Spielberg movie, like Lost Boys or Outsiders or... Uh, stand lean by on me. me, stand one of those, like the group of little boys that find the dead body. Mm-hmm. There has to be a titillation, even though you're disgusted and scared 
and you're sort of like it's a wonder I'm not weirder yeah and and probably I I might be somewhere deep in there but like I was opening it going like but that was that was video culture that was like if you like cameras you're definitely going behind those beads at the blockbuster well blockbuster oh what an interesting yeah what a like because all of film is sort of pornographizing reality. It's like, mm. I'm going to take this and enjoy it privately. Yeah, or it was just like, it hadn't hit mainstream yet, and that would just happened to be the subculture that, that accessed like weed, first. Like weed and Rolling Stone. Yeah. It wasn't that everybody that did this, but if you have the equipment, mm-hmm. and back then it was rare that you had your own VCR, mm-hmm. and if you have your own VCR, like you're not renting one from the video store. Yes. Well, here's like some... Hardcore pornography you can buy. And it could be as simple as like this. Those are people that spend a lot of time alone. And so then they are doing projects and art alone. And then right. this is something that you it's can do. It's a solitary alone. hobby. Yeah. Photography is like you can just go out and walk around. That's that's sort of what I liked about it when I did photography. Yeah. Is that like you're not. It's like smoking a pipe. You're not yeah. just walking around alone. Mm-hmm. Or it's having a cocktail. Mm-hmm. I think in my book, the book that I'm always talking about, Quitting Drinking, uh, it's called This Naked Mind. I listened to it. It's by Annie Grace. She's great. I met her in Denver. She's amazing. Um, and her book is is what I wanted to quit drinking. And I read that book and it, and it snapped the twigs and I was out. And I, mm-hmm. it's been great. Um, but it references in that book brilliantly that if you're sitting... Like picture an estate, but it's like a hotel, like with a big lawn and trees and there's a lake and stuff. If you're just sitting there, like alone, you sort of look like, did your wife just leave you? Like it doesn't look right. Yeah. Give that guy a pipe. Give that guy a camera. Yeah. Give that guy a cocktail. Yeah. Not even an Arnold Palmer. I want him to have like a short, a rocks glass and he's sipping and he's now he's unwinding. Right. So what is that? It just now it fits in our cultural mythology. Mm-hmm. Other cultural mythologies, totally normal to sit by yourself. But we have this like, everything needs to be for something. Yep. You don't just walk in nature unless you're chronicling the different herbs you see mm-hmm. or taking pictures for later mm-hmm. or smoking a cigar or a pipe or a cigarette. And like we just don't have that allowance as a mindfulness teacher. Yeah, I think this is right up your alley. It absolutely is because the the it's our Tara Brock talks about how it's our evolution that's rigged us to need a specific task. So that's why when you are uh, when you are kind of locked onto a task, you are often really present, and that's why it feels good. And we know a lot of people who like will be always renovating their house or always working on their land or just toiling uh, is toiling the right word tinkering yeah tinkering tinkering the tinkerers are so disturbing to me why because they remind me of me i have to find something to do and and really you can have compassion for that obviously you would have it for yourself first and then for others where it's like yeah it's because we long for presence but this is the only way that our that evolutionarily we have found it is mm-hmm. in tasks because we used to have so many tasks to do yeah. just to survive. Yeah. So now when, as Tara Brock puts it, when you're, if you're not focused on a specific task, then your mind um, 
fixates on either past or future in order to orient you in space and time and in your narrative of self. Wow. Because we're, we're actually it, it sends like, out a little ping. Like, here I am. Yeah. I'm in the thing. Because we don't like that lost feeling. Like, our ego doesn't like the lost feeling. That's why the whole theory behind the power of now is that your ego only exists in time. And when you're present, the ego begins to dissolve. Which is why it plays the Chili's Baby Back Rib song when you're trying to meditate. Because yeah. it's like, don't don't snuff me out. Yeah, that's exactly. it's, it's actually kind of a complicated resistance. It's more than I can't focus. It's like there's actually a part of you that doesn't want you to focus. It would rather you clean the kitchen. Yeah. Because at least then you're real. You are Valerie cleaning the kitchen. Right. Because and sitting without a cocktail or a camera or a notebook or whatever, you might disappear. That's right. You might blend into the trees. Yes. And this, by the way, I think is the true meaning. I'm open to people walking on water. I, I like thinking about uh, phenomenon. Mm-hmm. But I'm also like, I think that's the tr- like one of the meanings of people walking on water, mm-hmm. which isn't just uh, Jesus. There's other stories of people walking on water or like these things of nature and, and, and humans like completely merging is that losing yourself like vanishing yeah right and i just want to say about like i I mean i'm certainly not an expert on ego death it's only been a sensation that i've felt like only certainly fully only once and then definitely in my meditation i'll get little glimpses of it but um it 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 is the scariest thing to your ego because it is death to your ego. Right. But every time it happens to me where I get a glimpse of it, I realize that most of me isn't the ego. So it's like your ego would have you believe that you are actually dying and there'll be no... It sounds really scary where you're like, you vanish and there's no part of you that is recognizable. And every time it happens to me, it feels so familiar and like, oh, it's like yeah. coming home. It's coming home. You're like, you're the one that has been with me through it. That's all. the lie. Yeah. That's well, this is why we're. All, I, I'm always saying that I feel like the ego is the metaphor for the devil, mm. which is the liar and the thief. Mm-hmm. So it robs you from the moment and it tells you that that's who you really are. Yeah. But like when you can not pole vault it, but go through it. On the other side, you realize it's gloriously not true. Yeah. I did a show recently and I was talking to a comedian and it really was sort of, it's always, I don't know, it's probably reflective, but like they were, they were talking about how they don't get recognized as much as they used to. And I, and I was like, and this bothers you? Like, I don't like when I'm talking with somebody who's older than I am Mm -hmm. and I'm like, wait. You mean it never goes away? Like, yeah. That's I. So I came home and I said to Val, I was like, "This work we're doing is the only thing we're doing." <laughs> I, I don't mean I do comedy. Yeah. But I see what happens if you believe it. It's yeah. it's not just like let's all have the comfort of knowing that I'm talking about this group that we meet together with you guys. Yeah. Oh, we all have similar outlooks, or or maybe like somewhat similar outlooks on the meaning of life. That's great. Okay, now we have an identity. Fuck that shit. I'm talking about real shit. I'm talking about like saving yourself from the pain that comes from identifying with something that is burning up in front of you. That is the greatest insanity is to take your 
comfort and your security in your own identity, your own achievement, your own recognizability, Mm -hmm. your own specialness, your own worth. They're all gone. I even said to him, I was like, 100 years, all new people. Like, so you're okay being forgotten in 100 years, but you don't want to be forgotten now? Like, I don't understand. Like, it's going to happen. I was watching this Terrence McKenna video where he's like, the main point that sacred plants are trying to say to you is this too shall pass, which seems like so like, oh, yeah, this too shall pass. I'm in a traffic jam. Is this too shall pass? Dude, widen it out. Mm-hmm. And not to the point, not for the sake of paranoia, push through the paranoia mm. and get to the other side and realize that there's something that remains. Life doesn't die. Mm-hmm. Life, the opposite of death is, is uh, birth. Yeah. life has no opposite life is this yeah. and I said to him I go how do you feel right now yeah. we were sitting we hadn't seen each other mm-hmm. we, I haven't seen anybody we have our masks off we're doing a show yeah. I was like how do you feel right now yeah. he's telling me about this project that wasn't going and this and that and I, I relate why do you think I'm so lit up I relate yeah. but I was like oh I gotta I gotta dig even deeper into that surrender, mm. into that walking on water, into the merging and the uh, removing the boundary between me and everything. Mm. Because that game of just going like, it's me, and how much am I being recognized? And you don't have to be a celebrity to to be recognized. Everyone's going around getting their recognition, mm. and anybody, even at your, if you're at the top of your game, it's gonna stop. Mm-hmm. It's gonna stop, mm-hmm. and it could stop at any moment. Yeah, this is why I love the, the the. It's in Luke, and it's in the Gospel of Thomas. Where he says a man built silos for all the wheat so he would never have to worry again. And that night he died. Mm-hmm. That's this too shall pass. That's yeah. why I find that so funny. Absolutely. And it's surprisingly liberating. Like it's it sounds yes. really scary. And we can even honor and have compassion for the parts of us that are, of course, don't want to lose the things that we love. We don't want when something is good. We don't want it to change. Um, and... And when you can surrender to it, it is it is so freeing because it points to the thing that does not change. That's right. And it shows you again, like the ego death, you think it's total annihilation until you see that what is left is familiar, is home, is is the you that you know somewhere in there. That's right. And um, and that's the same thing with impermanence. It sounds and feels like the scariest thing. And when you let go and let go into it, it is the safest thing. And that's what Jesus, uh, sorry, that's what Richard said. Jesus is demonstrating on the cross. I know this is very Christian, forgive me. But he says, Jesus on the cross is saying, you can trust this. Yeah. This is, this is how it goes. You can trust the suffering. You can trust suffering. It? Yeah. Life is like, it's the, it's very Buddhist. It's like uh-huh. life is going to be suffering. You mm-hmm. need to find what remains. You yeah. need to find what's real yeah. be- because even me, I'm going to go through this as well. And you can trust it. You can trust it. And it, God, trust is just the thing that keeps coming up. And when you first told me that you can trust the suffering, it was like, Oh, just like so resonant because it is my, my Christian conditioning, like my mind breaks at the thought of like, there's light and dark and there's nothing to fear. Mm -hmm. Like that concept is like, I don't, I don't understand how both can exist. And there's, that's still like, 
okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to be like trusting the suffering, just that concept is is so it just feels so uh, opposite to what I've been tr- trained in and also resonant and and such a level. And so much of the increased suffering that happens is that we think it's a mistake. We think it's a flaw in the system. We always take ownership of it and think that something is wrong with us. Yeah. I my brain is broken. I am always anxious. I am a depressed person. Like you as we talk about so much on this podcast, but like the eyeing and myeing of it. Um so I never heard you say that. Oh really? That's the Tara Brock thing in radical acceptance. She talks, it's not her concept, but it's, it's another like rimpache or something. Um, and, and yeah, so you, so anxiety is just an energy in motion. It, uh, I'm sorry, um, emotion is an energy in motion like anxiety. And I just read that a neuroscientist, I think her name's Julie something. Um, Julie Newmar? No. Tu Wang Fu? What's that? Tu Wang Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar. It's the longest title of a movie in the 80s or maybe early 90s. That's a whole title? Yeah, Tu Wang Fu. And I just met Eliza Schlesinger's uh, dog, her new dog, and uh-huh. she had some name like Wang Fu. And I was like, thanks for everything. And then she went Julie Newmar. <laughs> like, she's like, everybody says that. And oh I was my like, God. Yeah, okay. I've never heard those yeah. words together. We're older than you. Um, I... Oh, oh yeah. So this neuroscientist said that emotions last when your mind is not involved, when thoughts aren't involved, um, they ha- they have a way of being able to tell how long um, emotions last, and it's ninety seconds. Wow! <laughs> Just like ninety seconds in the body. Wow! If your mind doesn't like kidnap it. So anyway, it's an energy that is moving through you. We latch onto it. We take ownership of it. And then we feel shame we for it. We I and my it. We I and my it. And then we feel shame for it. And we think something is broken. And the last thing we do is trust ourselves, trust the pain, trust the suffering. And what happens if you do? Well, you don't. Okay. So I just did um, an interview and I was a little... Not, I've been thinking a lot about my answer. Mm-hmm. We had this really lovely talk about um, awareness and all the things that we like to talk about. And he was like, it, what if you were incarcerated or in a war? Mm-hmm. Could you see yourself dropping all of this? And I was mm-hmm. like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's troubling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like my answer, mm-hmm. but I, ha- I, I want to be honest and be like, could I see myself being in prison and losing a lot of this perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because I wouldn't be afforded the stillness and the time and the equanimity and the and the reading or whatever it might be, whatever is keeping me connected. Yeah. I didn't say this, but I was like, these things would still be true. Yep. That's why there's a line in my in my book where I say, the reality of the divine is not contingent on my mood. My ability to feel it doesn't make it real or not real. Yeah. So even if I did go to prison and I lost everything like i just stopped going like hey i'm just loving awareness man like Mm -hmm. it's all consciousness it's all just it's one thing thinging itself i just i'd go into 
spiral dynamics. I'd go into survival mode. Absolutely. I would not be interested in this sort of stuff at all. Yeah. So the reason I know that it's possible that Pete would go into a bad uh, prison situation and lose this perspective is because it's happening. Mm -hmm. And those are just other Pete's. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So I can't say like, no, I'd go and my feet wouldn't touch the ground. Yeah. I'd like to think I'd be... Like Gandhi, Gandhi went to prison, mm-hmm. and there's this great story where they were having him do some really, like, I, I don't know if it's inherently degrading, but like it's intended to be degrading, like clean up the toilets and clean up the, well, there's poop everywhere or whatever. And Gandhi went up to the guard that was having him do it and like thanked him. He was like, "Thank you so much for this." And mm. I don't know if he hugged him. I picture him hugging him in the story. Mm. And Ramdas, who told that story, was like, "He's not being phony, like." Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really throw a, a you know, a wrench in this. Like yeah. they think they're punishing me, but I'm like, thank you so much. He meant it. This goes back to like a burn it down, yeah. like humiliate me, help, yeah. help me empty myself, because the Gandhi that thinks he shouldn't be told to do this in prison is not real either. That's another ninety second burst of something, mm-hmm. and if it's not real, it's got to fucking go. Yeah. And I know I already said this. Another another episode, but it's been so meaningful to me. Mm. So it's Toy Story. The first awakening is realizing you're a toy. So they have to tell Buzz he's a toy. Mm-hmm. And then that can lead... So a lot of us might have the first awakening. Mm-hmm. The first awakening is something is going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this might be a dance. This might be a game. This might be an, uh, an energy undulating and it's playing itself out and I'm a part of that. that so I'm a toy. Yeah. I'm a player in the game. But that can lead to paranoia. Mm-hmm. That that's that's a, where you get like criminals sometimes do that. Uh, you know, might just be like, oh, it's just a game. Who cares? And I think it's also fair to say that sometimes psychedelics, when they go bad or go challenging, yeah. it's because it just takes you to that point, right? And it doesn't. The second awakening, which is who do you belong to? Yeah. And I can't say this enough. I'll say it every time I think it. Mm-hmm. It's when Buzz realizes he belongs to Andy. Mm-hmm. This sounds real Sunday school. But like that's mm-hmm. you can trust it. Yeah. Because you are you're not just a toy, you're Andy's toy. Yeah, you belong. You belong, you belong here. You belong. You're not a flaw in the system. Yeah. You're also not like a uh, uh, an external agent in the, yeah. like moving through the system, yeah. you are a part of the system. Yep. And this is what I've been, I know I've been talking about existential kink a lot lately, but I'm really enjoying it. I'm hopefully going to have the author on the pod. Um, but it's really blowing my mind. And I'm thinking about like my, how much we, uh, it's easier to honor other people and other people's nastiness and other people's difficult things and go like, it's all just, it's all in the game. It's okay. Some people are annoying. Some people are assholes. Some people mm-hmm. are scary. Okay, that's happening. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to you, we say this almost every week, we can be so hard on ourselves. Yeah. So without getting into it too much, there are these meditations that she kind of walks you through where you're learning to honor and love and respect your unconscious mm-hmm. and say to your unconscious, which by the way, 95% of your behavior, they, they posit, is caused by unconscious desires, unconscious thoughts, unconscious beliefs. So it's most of you yeah. is actually your unconscious. Yeah. It's a look that your father gave you at a TGI Fridays. It's it's all this stuff, all these messages that got locked away, pure and real. So one of the so I've been trying to make peace with my unconscious Mm -hmm. and trying to have tea with it and let it in and be like, your desires are valid yeah, and you can make them conscious. Like we can join forces. Mm. Like it's okay. You can trust me. And when I 
experienced reverence for my unconscious. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, you're you, you're me, but honest. Mm-hmm. Like you're the most honest version of me. Mm-hmm. You are everything. Mm-hmm. We're, you're my dreams. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how your dreams can disturb you? How did you freak yourself out? Well, that was your unconscious talking to you. Yeah. So you are the one that isn't uh, marred by taboo or inappropriate or bad or ugly. You have no judgment. You are just an honest, dark black ink record of everything I've ever experienced. That is, if you guys don't like, I'm talking to the listeners now, if you don't like God, you can worship your own unconscious. You can go like, look at you, Mm. an impeccable, unslanted record Mm. of what it feels like and what it was like to be me. Mm -hmm. And you don't care if it's weird that you're like, Here's your dad's foot. You find your dad's foot sexy or whatever it might be. (laughs) It's just like the most honest therapist you could ever talk to. And it's you. And it's shameless. It's shameless. Yes. That's that's real power. Yeah. That's why we're scared of it. Yeah. Because it's real power. Yeah. But you can, you, you coax it out and you close your eyes Like I was doing a lot of work on how I've privatized my sexuality. I got so much sex shame growing up. And when I started talking to it or just listening to it, Mm -hmm. it was giving me boom, 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 all of this evidence Mm -hmm. from my life. Look at your obsession about writing about masturbation, doing jokes about masturbation. And and I had that joke about whenever I'd see uh, naked women in my dreams, I wouldn't try to have sex with them. I'd just take pictures of them. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. I don't trust sexuality. That is like my brain going like, this is you. You think sex is bad and you should really just do it in the shadows. Uh And who told you that? The church that was like, you're going to go to hell. It's it's bad. You're evil. It's, It's this bad part of you. So anyway, I'm getting a lot of... The reason you let it in, according to the book is because once you make your unconscious conscious and you don't do this to get rid of it, but you integrate it yeah. and it no longer has to pull on the hem of your coat to stop where you're going and turn you around yeah. because you've made it conscious. Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. And it doesn't come out sideways. The other connection that I don't know if we talked about when you shared the privatizing of your sexuality thing is of course that is reinforced by the other belief that you have that you've brought into your consciousness of like people aren't safe like of course so then when you're having sex with a person it, that will even if it's me your safest person yeah that will never feel at, to that part of you I'm not as saying safe you as being alone as safe as being alone that and that was I did a whole other session mm. with this. By the way, it's on YouTube. I, I really recommend reading the book. I wouldn't just jump jump to the meditation. Yeah. But and it, and it's kind of heavy. If it, it really has to sound like something you want to do, I wouldn't recommend doing this before you've done the work of Byron Katie or before you've read Eckhart Tolle. It's really building off of those things in yeah. kind of a funky way. Yeah. So it's not like... A, I, I wouldn't recommend it as like a good starting place if this is new for people. And if self-love is like a huge issue for you... She even says that. She's like, yeah. if you're depressed, this is not for you. Yeah. Like, let's not go into your depth with a flashlight Mm -hmm. until you're ready to go like, I love you. It's okay. I love you. But you need a pretty strong lantern. Yeah. I feel like to go into those areas, Mm -hmm. but I did a whole session on, 
um, my baby Trump. I call it my baby Trump. It's the guy who doesn't like, who throws a tantrum inside when people don't recognize him as magical, special, beautiful, incredible. Mm -hmm. And my subconscious was, and I mean effortlessly accessing memories that I haven't thought of in a long time. And it was Mm -hmm. like, it said to me, it was like, Pete, you are terrified that if you are not exceptional Mm -hmm. and amazing, everyone will know you are the soft, sweaty boy in junior high Mm -hmm. that thought no one liked him. You know what I mean? And it is sad. I, I'm not sad right now. I see your empathy face. <laughs> but that is the fear. So that kid was like, I better get... And it's why I did get good mm-hmm. at comedy. Mm-hmm. It is what drove me, arguably, mm-hmm. it's what drove me to like rehearse and memorize mm-hmm. and think about funny things I might say just in life. Yeah. And it drove me into that compulsion. And, yeah. and that ultimately was beneficial. But it started with like... It was like covering sand... Over my my sweaty preteen man boob Hawaiian shirt slap bracelet rubber band braces ruddy faced mm. weird haircut boy mm-hmm. that I was like if people know who I am they'll take advantage of me they'll bully me like I was bullied you know all all that stuff so I, I better all of the all of these outfits we put on when we when we dress up like I'm doing stand up again so I'm putting on dress shirts I'm like I'm just putting on a dress shirt to be like. I own a dress shirt. I'm not that kid. Yeah. I'm I'm in front of all you people and I'm telling you how to feel. I'm not that kid. Yeah. But like once I, in my mind's eye, picked up my baby Trump and just hugged him and, and kissed him on the forehead and said, it's okay. You're okay. I'm not even saying like, get out of here. Yeah. I'm saying you're interpretation of my life is as valid as the bullshit interpretation that I've made. Yeah. I'm the, I'm the one in denial. Yeah. You're over there going like, but remember, but remember, but remember. And I'm like, oh, you're right. Yeah. This is why you, you feel good. Even when you feel bad, like mm-hmm. if you, if you, uh, jerk off looking at porn and I'll just feel terrible about myself. You're like, you think you deserve that. Yeah. You think you deserve to be in the shadows your whole life you thought you deserved to... I, I even have bits about my sexuality being like a campfire and masturbating was like pouring water on it. Mm. It couldn't get any more obvious. Oh, or yeah. I, I still, to this day, have a bit where I, I still do it, where I say, when you're horny, sex makes sense. You're like a werewolf. Yeah. So I think it's like becoming like a monster. Yeah. And then as soon as you come, you're covered in blood and chicken feathers and you're a man again and you go, what was that all about? Yeah. That isn't... The reason why people laugh... I sometimes think people are laughing because they agree with me. I also think they might be laughing because they're laughing sort of at me. Mm. They're like, oh my God, this guy never had an integrated view of sexuality. So he thinks even when he has sex with his wife, he's doing something that a werewolf would do. Yeah. And like, and when it's done, I've gotten it out of me. I got that Mm. evil out of me. Yes. And, And that's why... Before shows and stuff, you're like, well, I'll 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 jerk off so I can get that that craving out of me, so I can do something better, <laughs> you know. Yep. But not everybody looks at sex that way. So anyway, it's called existential kink, and it it's really really funky. Yeah. Okay. Well, two things. Um, Kate, our dear friend, who we were hanging out with yesterday, said something just kind of in the middle. I mean, it was relevant, but. It was just like this one line thing that later I was thinking on. I'm like, that's that's brilliant. That's kind of everything where she was like, 
everything that anyone does is a coping mechanism. And, yeah. and like, and that is so true. We've talked about this on the podcast that it's like, we're, we're all so scared. Like we're all kind of still scared children and we've just found all of these different coping mechanisms and some of them have really paid off in their talents and their endearing traits and their things that get us love and things that get us uh, praise and give us confidence. So it's not like all terrible. Um, but then it made me think, you know, so much of mindfulness, maybe even arguably the uh, you know, it's not helpful to have a goal in mindfulness, but if you're going to say the the desired outcome is in a mindfulness practice is going from a constant state of reacting mm. to skillful responding. So another way to think of that is we're already doing all of these coping mechanisms. The only shift is and it's simple but not easy is going from a coping mechanism to a like self-soothing loving regulating system you're just you're <laughs> if i'm hearing you correctly you're already doing it yeah it's not like you're doing something new you're just replacing old programs with different strategies but for the same for for a uh yeah exactly you're replacing it with new strategies not changing the fear. Yeah. The fear is the same. How you relate to it becomes different. Yep. And um, and that helps you like not love. I mean, not uh, hate or resist the fear, but love it. Mm -hmm. Like you're saying. Well, that's existential kink. She says. I think she's quoting, but she says, "Fear is just excitement without breath." Yes. And I was like, that that quote alone was worth the book. I was like, fear is excitement without breath. It's like that beautiful, like, I, I feel bad saying surprisingly beautiful, but like surprisingly beautiful John Mayer song <laughs> that's like, um, fear is a friend that's misunderstood. Oh, I didn't I know that's what he was saying. Yeah. It's fear is a friend that's misunderstood. Fear is a friend. Yeah. It's um, pain... The, uh, pain throws your heart to the ground. Love turns the whole thing around. Fear is a friend that's misunderstood. I know the heart of life is good. Isn't wow. that so beautiful? Well, that's sort of the the reason I'm saying existential kink is building off of Byron Katie and Eckhart Tolle and and Ram Dass and even Richie Rohr. I'm I'm concurrently reading. Literally, I have my two books. They're right there. Mm -hmm. I have uh, Universal Christ and Existential Kink. Okay, so one's written by, I think she would love this, like kind of like a witchy, left-handed, kinky... <laughs> Do you know she's left-handed? No, left-handed means like... Yeah, okay. Right-handed, and then left-handed oh. is like esoterra, Got it. mystery, and I, I think all those terms are, are good. Um, mm -hmm. She uses, like magic. Yes. Like she's into magic. Yeah. And manifesting, and, and what all that stuff. I'll read a chapter of Universal Christ... Mm -hmm. And then I'll read a chapter of that book. And they'll end up saying so many of the same things. Mm -hmm. Here's a humble, beautiful, almost like a, a statue you'd have in your garden, Franciscan monk kind of yeah. guy. He's yeah. not a monk, but you, I mean, he's a monk, but he's not a hermit. Mm -hmm. And then uh, and then here's this sort of sexy witch woman, mm -hmm. witchy woman. I, again, I'm saying witch in a way that I, I'm pretty sure she would. Yeah. Uh, magic woman. Um. 
And they're saying the same thing. And one of the things they're saying without necessarily saying it in exactly the same way, she just says flat out, look at what's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, There was one awareness and it split into many Mm -hmm. to play. Yeah. To do everything. And then she says, so God is a kinky mofo, basically. (laughs) God is kinky. Yeah. And if you're honest... You're kinky. Yeah. You don't just want light and goodness or just the ambrosia enema. We're always talking about the ambrosia enema Mm. and the Alan Watts something happens button. You Mm. want to know, just like a movie, just like a video game, you want to know not only what will you do, what will other people do, but how will you react? What would it feel like to be broken up with? Yeah. To... We, we just watched, a, I know it's silly, we're watching Frasier. He's getting dumped on the episode. We love these stories. Yeah. That's a kink. Yeah. What it, ooh, oh, tell me I'm bad. Mm. You're breaking up with me. Ooh, I'm, I thought it was so good and you're leaving. Ugh. Yeah. And just underneath all of that discomfort, there's like a smiling Buddha that's like, this is what we came here to do. We're playing all of the games. We're, yeah. we're pulling all of the levers going down all of the streets. Yeah. And I I don't know. I really resonate with that. I just realized, I bet this woman is a four. Oh, that's interesting. I wonder if we could look. She probably is. It's something that we can learn from. Four with a five wing. (laughs) Yeah. Something we can learn from the fours too is like, yeah, is getting, just try try to enjoy the suffering. Try to enjoy the sadness. And yeah. It's it's such an opposite. I'm starting to do it in such an opposite way. Thing for the nines. Like it couldn't be more opposite. Val is using Enneagram numbers. Most of you know that. Yeah. But the four is the individualist. Yeah. The four is almost the easiest one to spot. They're usually wearing like red framed glasses Uh uh, or like spiky pink hair. Mm -hmm. And the nines want comfort. Yeah. And I, I have a lot of nine qualities and uh, fours also well. are they kind of like their pain they're like they love their pain. yes yeah. yeah and i have a four wing mm-hmm. i'm a three with a four wing mm-hmm. so of course i love talking about my divorce and i love mm-hmm. telling you about the sweaty junior high kid i'm like look at my pain look at yeah. my pain i went through this pain but what like, made, we love it what made me think of that is like nines love because we're so uncomfortable with our own suffering and our own pain we sometimes love like TV where there's a lot of pain and drama. Other people's drama. And we love other people's drama, like our friends, because we're, we want to like kind of get out that kink, but in like a safe distance yeah. way. But then we've noticed, because I'm telling Val a lot about this book as I'm reading it, that you will. What, what you start to notice is that you're doing things unconsciously. So the whole book is about. There's a, basically, Carl Jung has this quote where he says, until you make the unconscious conscious, we're not talking about woo-woo here. We're talking about psychology. the subconscious mind, the psychology, and the conscious mind. Yeah. Obviously, I, most people know what that means. Conscious mind is your thinking thoughts and what you're aware of, but you have all of this stuff that you're not aware of. That's mm-hmm. your unconscious. And until you make the unconscious conscious, the unconscious will rule your life and you will call it fate. Yeah. Okay. So that's Carl Jung. We've even noticed... Uh, I hope you don't mind me using an example yeah, from your life. absolutely. I that know. you'll try to make a plan with two people who are very difficult to make a plan with. Yeah. And then you'll book it on a day. It's almost like you're looking for that drama. Yeah. That's I've... And there's nothing wrong with that. But when you make that desire to be a peacemaker mm-hmm. and like fix it 
and, or go with the flow or make it work mm-hmm. or, or, or please them or, mm-hmm. or cancel a plan for them or whatever the kink might be, mm-hmm. you'll keep doing it without knowing what you're doing. So she says in the book, she's like, I'm not, my life is not f- devoid of suffering. Mm-hmm. I have suffering and I enjoy every minute of it. Mm-hmm. But you realize what you're doing. Why do I say yes to things that I don't want to do? Yeah. It's because I want to show people how good I am. Yes. So is when I welcome that part of my unconscious into me and say, I see what you're doing. Now we can choose to keep doing it yeah. if we want, because it works. The unconscious is brilliant yeah. and, and brilliant and creative to get what it wants. It'll have you do that to give it like, like even me with uh porn shame, mm-hmm. it likes that feeling of shame. Yeah. It wants that feeling. Yeah. I had a therapist suggest to me, it was like, it's not just the porn, it's the shame afterwards. It's the, it's the earning it back from an unloving God. Yeah. It's, it's having a task. It's my cleaning the kitchen. Yeah. Like I've said to you a million times, You'll never find a funnier or a nicer or more generous peep if I think you're mad at me. Not you, right. Val. Yeah. But there was someone at work. I made some sort of roasty joke. I thought maybe they heard me. The rest of the day, I, that person must have been like, what the fuck is going on? Because I'm like giving him cookies and talking to him, asking him about his family. Because I'm playing from that like, please don't don't turn on me. Don't turn me into the junior high boy. I'm a magic boy. I'm a magic boy. And now you're the only one who can tell me I am or I'm not. And that's a very powerful position to give someone else. So of course I'm tap dancing like you have a gun to my head. Yeah. Because you do. You have a gun to the head of who I think I am. And that's the same as being in bondage and and having somebody hold a whip. It's that same kind of like sensation. And I have the... Almost, it's it's not exactly the same, but it's almost the exact same kink where, so going back to your example of like, I, if I have a friend who I really feel scared to let down or cancel on, like, you know, some people would find me flaky because I don't value, I value like flexibility over, we had a plan, you yeah. know? Um, and, and most of my friends are okay with that. Some of them are understandably annoyed by that. And so if I, so if I have a friend like that, I will, and it just happened, almost always make a plan and then realize, oh shit, my mom was coming to town or Mm -hmm. I had this other plan with this person. So that is, like you said, my unconscious is doing that because then the kink is I have to I have to make this person mad, which feels on my to my conscious mind like the worst thing. Make it'll make me sick. I'll think about it obsessively. What are they thinking? I'll read into their text. Mm-hmm. I'll do this whole like suffering yes. around it. They wrote sure, period. Yeah, she's they hate me. She's yeah. Bi- yeah. And then I can do what I do best. And this is my big coping mechanism. I can shape shift and mirror and merge and use all my tricks to win this person back. That's it. I can write the most beautiful text paragraph. Where I understand exactly how they feel. Yes. And you're right. Yes. You're right. I I was wrong. Yes, exactly. You can hear the kink in it. I was wrong. You're right. I canceled. Oh, don't worry. I'll tell my mom she can stay at home alone. I know. That's one of the techniques that really helped me. She was like, I've never done BDSM. I'm not judging it. 
But she's like, it's like when someone is paying someone to whip them. And they go, no, please don't whip me. Okay, what do we do with that? I go, no, not shame. Oh. oh, please, no shame. Like, I know this is weird to share, but but it works. I love it. You're identifying what it is that you want that you're pretending that you don't want. Yeah. And I, there's this line in Mad Men that keeps coming up when I'm reading her book. It comes up many times in the show. Actually, maybe twice, but it's seasons apart. Where he says, I like being bad and going home and being good. Yeah. Why is that so resonant? Yeah. That's us. Yeah. I will come into this back house. I'll look at something dirty and masturbate. And then I'm like, ah, that's, I have all of the thoughts. I go, mm-hmm. I know that sex workers are, there's, there's a movement to try uh, to say like, don't pity us, you fucking idiot. Like, yeah. maybe we like it. Okay, that, that's great. I'd, I'm into that. Yeah. But sometimes I'm just like, what do I do with the cognitive dissonance of I'm using this material and I'm like, that's, that's my sister. Mm. You know, my spir- spiritually speaking, that's my sister yeah. and that's, and that's my child and that's me. And I'm, I'm, I, I can sort of get into a shame spiral mm. of like, I'm using them, the most intimate parts of them mm. kind of coldly. Mm. And like, we've even noticed in our sex, sometimes I just want to get to it. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a conditioning from pornography. So I'm even aware of that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's harder for me to get into a place of foreplay because I'm, of course, I've conditioned yeah. my body to go like, oh, I'm horny. Here's the the client. The Here's begin- an asshole. Here's an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a jiggling ass right now. <laughs> of course, I'm not like putting on boys to men. Like, like yeah. so I'm even aware of the psychological cost. Yeah. So what am I? I'm going, oh, shame, 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 shame. And then... You fix yourself. Mm. You, you, I, I'm past a point of like begging for forgiveness or anything, but I do have to sort of digest all of that. Mm. And f- motherfucker, you like that. Yeah. You like the game. Yeah. Of the times that I, I've said this in my spiritual talks that I've given live. Sometimes I'll have a great spiritual talk and I'll go back to my hotel and jerk off. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. As Lama Surya Das would say, I see God's hand in that. <laughs> because who's jerking eye? Like, fucking get over yourself. Like, oh, I was good and now I'm bad. Or I had it and now I've lost it. Yeah. But, like, it is this sort of, like, I like being good and then going home and being bad. Like, reversing it. Absolutely. Because you or... don't know what to do. I'm still an ape. You know what I mean? Yes. I'm still an ape. That's it's a it. cognitive dissonance. I can float on a pillow and be like, I see the whole game. And then I'm like... Sometimes I'm horny. Yeah. Well, you're you're craving. Okay, a couple things, and I'm going to look up this quote while I uh, say this. You're craving balance because we are animal and spirit. Yeah. So, so you're talking so much about spirit, and your body and your animal is like, hey, don't forget us. And there's nothing wrong with and that. And the unconscious. Absolutely. And the unconscious is like, we thought that was really cool that you played the white start shirt game and, and, and had the audacity to answer people's questions. Yeah. But now I'd like you to come into your meat puppet and then come on your meat puppet. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and so much of this comes from... Come. <laughs> um, comes from Come. <laughs> okay okay here this is comes from what it, it comes from hating the animal yeah. which I have a really funny story I'm going to read this quote and then I'm going to tell you the funny story Can't wait. don't interrupt me I'm just I won't. kidding I'm totally it's like kidding. when Leela puts her pacifier down and she goes I'm going to put it right here don't touch it yep <laughs> um, okay 
I've read this on the podcast before, I think, but I can't get enough of it. Can't wait. This is Carl Jung. Hit it. Too much animal disfigures the civilized human being. Too much culture makes for a sick animal. We have to have both. Yeah. And this is why one interjection, I think. (laughs) It's not an interruption. It's an interjection. I think this is why you see, I'm not excusing it, but you'll see the pastor that's preaching so much against the animal. We're not even surprised. What part of us isn't surprised when he is caught being videotaped by a, a BDSM person who's, you know, doing some very hardcore act? We're just like, of course. Absolutely. It's the same exact sensation. That's your subcon- That's your unconscious going like, motherfucker, you think you're in charge here? Yeah. You think, bow to me, bitch. That's or, what it's <laughs> Or the, the, oh, you can use that imagery if that helps you. Or if something gentler, it is the child be in the corner being like, does anybody see me? Did you forget me? Right. Yeah. And that's... I like the way you put it, but mine was funny because... Yeah. It says bitch. Yeah. yeah. I got to say bitch. Um, I had a point before I get to my funny story, which was... Okay, so the guy with the BDSM and the the church just hates the animal. Like, historically, that's where we get, like, bo- your body is the holder of all sin. That's where, of course, that has to lead to the, the eyeing and the myeing of, like, and the complete disembodiment of, like, y- y- the last thing you should listen to is your own body. That's where all the desires that will get you in trouble right. are. Which, by the all way, this- your body is how your unconscious communicates with you. It's like yes. a weird swirling feeling in your stomach or a shot of electricity up your chest. Yeah. Like that's how it's talking to you. Yes. And the more I'm in touch with my unconscious, the more I'm in touch with my body. Of course. And and my church time, it was like, I was just trying to get rid of this thing that was in the way of me being a good boy. And that's the, that you re- helped me remember what the other point is, is another gift that your unconscious gives you is it took that shame that you were given, that was put on you by this conditioning. And it said, okay, we'll just like this. Mm. Like, instead of being constantly tormented by that, like your conscious was, Mm -hmm. your unconscious was like, this is kind of like our thing. (laughs) Like, it turned it into something enjoyable for you. That's right. That's right. Whether that's like... It's trying to get you off, is how she would say. And it doesn't mean sexually get you off. It's trying to... But if you're out of touch, you can't even get in, you can't even experience the chemical fireworks Mm. that are happening in your body. Mm. I had it recently where somebody, um, they they just, it wasn't a heckle, but it was sort of like a a dismissive, like, hey, nice joke kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Not a big deal. In fact, even as it was happening, I was like, they don't know how hurtful that might be to a comedian if he's trying to be funny and they're like, good one, Mm -hmm. right? Because that's totally normal. They were just trying to be funny, just trying to keep the show going, whatever it might be. So there was no intellectual hard feeling, but it it hurt my body. Like Mm -hmm. I felt it in my body where I was Mm -hmm. like, don't turn me into the junior high kid. I'm a magic boy and I'm funny. Yeah. And then because of existential kink, I was like, no, you like that. Yeah. She shamed you. I know this sounds so kinky. I'm just saying, like, find the sensation, give it breath, yeah. and ride the wave. Yeah. And like I was doing with my mom, I was like, yes, burn me down. Yeah. Burn me to the ground. I think, how dare you belittle me? Mm. And I go, 
that guy's not really real. By the way, we could have a whole separate conversation on sticking up for yourself and speaking your truth and finding your power. Yep. That is all important. That's why I'm saying this is not this is not a first step book. This is yeah. after I go, I know I'm valid. I know I'm okay. I know I'm valuable. I yeah. know I belong. Yeah. Now I can go, I've just been belittled. Okay. Let's yeah. just feel that in the same way it's happening. Yeah. And and that's the whole thesis of the book is anything that happens is energy and you have a choice on how you interpret that energy. Right. Why does it feel good when you pay someone to pour candle wax on you? Why does it feel bad when choice? Yeah. Choice. Yeah. So learn to and this is where saying yes to reality and forgiving reality mm. and dancing with reality. This is where Eckhart and Byron and Katie, all of those people come into this thing that sounds so kinky. I think she's just finding a really honest way of being like, yeah, enjoy it. Yeah. Ra- well, Maharaji said, enjoy everything. Yeah. That's what you're doing. Enjoy it. It really is like all of them are saying, love every part of yourself. Every part of yourself belongs. And this is just, for me, this is like, one perspective on how you can, oh, an avenue to loving that part of yourself. And it'll either speak to you or it won't. And, and for some reason, it's really speaking to me, probably because of all my weird Christian repression. I'm like, it's so fun to have someone be like, exactly. get in here, you you freak. Speaking of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the Christian repression, the other point I wanted to make about the like having a spiritual talk and then going home and masturbating, it's I think both of us had this feeling of like, of course, we were in the church and that was giving us all these weird messages about sex. But then we both were specifically like the golden children. And we and that was one of the ways that we felt safe was like, I know what I, I it's so easy for me to know what adults want you to be. Just be that thing for them. My brother's out going on dates. I see how stressful that is for everybody. Where yeah. is he? When's he coming home? Yeah. Oh, I'll just I'll just delete that part of my being. I remember. It's impolite. It's it seems to cause a lot of stress, so I'll just stay home. Exactly. I remember the part I don't remember I guess the exact moment, but I do remember thinking, wait a minute, you know, because my mom would so much happened in the time after church service, the like fellowship time Mm. where I would be, I would walk in and because I was the pastor's daughter, I would just be talking to all these adults. And then afterwards my mom would be like, so-and-so came up to me and said, Valerie is just so light filled. She's such a, she's so mature. She's such a good girl. It's what they're just giving you programming too. And I loved it. And I remember thinking, People are so easy. You just smile and listen to them. That's me saying to my dad, Dad, why don't you just do what mom says? It's a big laugh story in our family. Yeah. But I wasn't going for laughs. I was saying, this is why we're so made for each other. But Uh I I remember having the exact same, this is fucking easy. Yeah, this is easy. All you have to do is not have... But then after I got divorced... I saw the power of my father. I saw the reason why you wanted to have a will. He wants to do his own things. He doesn't want to just say, okay, I'll go to a Tuesday night Bible study because he's literally erecting a new apartment building and he's going to sell it. Like he's fucking 
agency and power. And I started to understand that. So yeah. that's when the masculine started getting mixed into me. Yeah. Not to say that, um, hey, just give people what they want is feminine, but yeah. it is receptive. It's yeah. like be receptive. It's also childlike. It's For what sure. children would do. Because well, this is why you see the infantilization of women to this day. Like the sexy woman is like, whoops, was I sexy? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't even making that connection, but totally. And it's, I was just going to say like, we as children were, when we were doing that, we valued peace, especially amongst our parents over anything else. So we were like, why aren't you valuing that? Just let it go. Just give them what they want. Yeah. And I um, wanted peace so bad. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so of course, as like us being raised as the golden children, our unconscious that whole time was just being completely ignored. And now there is the, the idea of like, you were the good boy giving the spiritual talk and now you're the dirty man i like being good and going home and being bad it's like exactly it's that's what i mean by it's a loving balance it's your it's a part of you maybe not even your unconscious it's like a part of you saying hey you motherfuckers i'm a dynamic person i have so many dimensions to me that you never saw and you never made me feel it was okay i remember hearing moshe told me this i don't know if it's true but that like one of the main spokespeople for the american heart association or the american lung association anti-tobacco all day would give rousing lectures to college kids teenagers grown-ups about why you shouldn't smoke mm-hmm. and how to quit smoking mm-hmm. and how many people it's killing and all of that stuff. And every night she'd go back to her hotel and smoke one cigarette. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. My story would be less embarrassing. It is embarrassing. Mm-hmm. I've done a lot of work to be okay with... It's embarrassing to be like going back to your hotel and masturbating because it's a sin of the body and it's our. It's my every everyone poops thing. We have this shame mm-hmm. about our bodies and the things that our bodies do and that's why we need the book everybody poops yeah you know because it just seems to be baked into us and then certainly reinforced by our culture and, and by, i do think that originated from the church i really do actually, think that the church yeah there's a great like, family joke a family guy joke where he's like there's the catholic version of everybody poops which is called nobody poops but you and that's pure hardened evil coming out of your <laughs> anus <laughs> And I was like, that's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant joke. Yeah. I love that joke. Yeah. Um, what was I saying? Oh, the less shameful version would be if I was an exercise coach and ever, I st- taught spin classes all day and then I go back to my hotel room and eat a hamburger. Yeah. Or I, if I was giving a spiritual talk and then I went back and watched an action movie. I watched John Wick. It's the same sort of yeah. craving of like, we are spirit and body yeah and and sometimes it's nice not sometimes it's it is nice to to throw your body a bone and to say this is not an error i remember when rob and i were doing our tour i would go back to my hotel i'd have some booze so that was the naughty thing Mm -hmm. and i would watch i was watching daredevil Mm -hmm. i remember loving it i remember being in my hotel being like i wonder what rob's doing Mm -hmm. like uh, that's not a joke like he's probably doing something crazy i actually think rob is (laughs) i don't know maybe that's unfair to put him on such a high pedestal but i'm like he's probably calling his family or doing yoga or something and i'm drunk watching daredevil and even that is a kink my good dad is in another room he's probably doing something nice and i'm going to be in the basement getting drunk watching daredevil yeah this is what this book is helping me 
Yeah. That's what it was. In my house, we had a basement, and that was our, our place. Yeah. And that's where all the kids' stuff happened. And that feeling that the parents are somewhere else, wow, that's, a, that's kind of a breakthrough for me. That I know, Rob knows that he's like a father figure to me. Yeah. As is Jed, as is Conan. And, and like I always wanted to have that energy around me yeah. so I could be golden for them. Yeah. And then when they're not watching, get drunk and watch Daredevil. Yes. And that's my unconscious going, oh, good, we got him. That is so it. And you just helped me kind of have a breakthrough that... This is, a, a, again, sorry to mention the Enneagram again, but this is a nine thing. Nines can be very secretive and sneaky. Yeah. And it's because we don't want to let anybody down because the conflict seems unbearable. And uh, and so it feels safer to have a secret, but then you kind of get off on that. That's right. And that's that what is, I'm saying, yeah. That's totally one of my kinks, too, is like... I'm going to tell you whatever you want to hear. This is sounding like I really do this. I th- I think that I understand. You know, it's it's in it's in good measure and it's not a huge issue. Well, that's what makes these things hard to talk about is even when I'm like, "Oh, I I it might be uh see, it's yeah. hard to talk about." Yeah. Cuz it sounds like we stigmatize people that go really far in that direction. Yeah. That are really like, "Oh, what what's next? Are you going to poop on me or something like that yeah but we we're all even hiding your kinks is a kink yeah you know what i mean like yeah. you think you're off the hook because you don't tell people that's your kink right and that's I, mean, I like to be good all day and go i like to be bad and go home and be good yeah. that's the american way that's right is to act like you don't have kinks and that's what i would feel at church i was like all of these people they probably have weird relationship issues. They probably have weird self-doubt. They probably have sexual things. They probably mm. have this. And I, I know for a fact that my parents have their shit. And mm-hmm. here we are in Fellowship Hall, which is what we call the lobby, motherfucking marionette style, playing the people at church game. Yeah. And that's a kink. Absolutely. That's I like putting on my sport coat. And I like standing and talking to the pastor. And then later that day, I'm going to drink a bottle of Jim Beam and watch Goodfellas. You know what I mean? It's like, we like it. Just, just, then just like it. Then just like it. Not even saying don't enjoy it, but like when you make it conscious, there's a very good chance you'll stop doing it that exact way because you can have a more honest dialogue with your unconscious. Mm -hmm. Like, I see that you like that. Maybe there's a way that won't hurt my liver as much, but I honor you. Yeah. And I want to give you that time. Yeah. And maybe it's just. Giving it light, giving it the floor. Yeah. I'm telling you, I, I can't believe how easy it is to listen to it mm. when you're guided to go like, all right, mm-hmm. I see it like a wall, like a, a, a waterfall or like a huge mountain of images and memories. And I'm so small. Mm. I'm the tip of the iceberg and I stand in front of this thing and it's huge. And I'm yeah. like, you deserve my reverence. Yeah. You remember so much more than me. Yeah. And this is that intelligence. Like Terrence McKenna talks about when you take psychedelics, you're often introduced to the fact that the intelligence that you really are, which is what's beating your heart right now, mm. which is what's breathing you right now, which is breathing you when you're in a coma, mm. beating your heart when you're in a coma. This is a motherfucking greater intelligence than your conscious mind. Yeah. Which again, ego tricks you into thinking that it's the only game in town. Well, where were you last night? You were gone for eight hours, you phony bitch. Like, how can you be in charge if you go away for eight hours and I still am and it's still happening? Yeah, that's another way that just like, it's it's kind of interesting to 
seeing out because I would call that like the wisdom of your body and trusting your body and your body is the iceberg and it remembers everything and so it it's just interesting like the body is connected to the unconscious mind I would say the body is in tune with the unconscious mind so the body this is very Val but it's true Mm. is absorbing the unconscious as emotion and Mm. as sensation Mm. we're trying to get the conscious mind involved Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's mm-hmm. my game. Yeah. But the body is already involved. Absolutely. That's why your stomach flips in yeah. a weird way when you're on a gondola. Yeah. Like, what is going on? Because this intelligence, and this is back to what McKenna said, remembers every song you've ever heard, mm. every conversation you've ever had, uh, remembers every movie you've ever seen. Yeah. And when you take psychedelics, sometimes you see, like, whoa, oh, shit, you have access he says the human animal is a forgetful creature, mm. but the intelligence isn't. Yeah. The intelligence knows. Yep. That's why the hairs on your arms stand up when you see someone playing three-card Monty. Like, what the fuck is going on there? Yeah. Like, it remembers. Yeah. Just because the ego doesn't remember, it goes, well, I don't remember, so it's nothing. Humble yourself. Of course. There's something yeah. else at play, either psychologically or spiritually. I would argue both. But that's what integration is about, is mm. trying to say... This body mm-hmm. and this unconscious is welcome here. I'm not afraid of you. Yeah. That's what dream work is. That's what therapy is. That's what hypnosis is. It's like, you can come to the table. I'm not ashamed of you. Yes. Look, that's, what, that's even what I'm trying to demonstrate to it by talking about it on the podcast. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm trying, writ large, mm-hmm. I'm not embarrassed of you. Mm-hmm. You are you're me. Not bad. Yeah. And you are not separate from all of this yeah so we can say you're beautiful i love Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. i understand culturally you might be a little bit freaky Mm. you freaky beautiful thing yeah it's okay (laughs) and that is what dissolves it she's always talking about it dissolves it and then it mixes it into your conscious and then something new is born and that's what alchemy is yeah alchemy is taking lead and turning it into gold taking the unconscious and making it conscious turning your wounds into wisdom it integration is the word writ large of well-being yeah like that is the if you read anything on worth its salt on trauma and on healing of any type psychologically somatically anything you will see the word integration it's about taking all of these parts of you allowing them to be their beautiful selves integrating it into the rest of your system and by doing that you're saying you are a contributor thank you for your contribution it's love like integrating is love when you love somebody you're integrating them into your life real love real love and you can give that to yourself with practice you can learn to do that for yourself well that's how it was relating to universal Christ because he was talking about scapegoating Mm. and it's like as long as our evil is in Iraq or wherever the the war he he was giving the talk in the 90s so he's like Iraq as long as the evil's over there or Mm. if the Protestants can go our evil is in the Catholics you're not facing your own evil right. you're, 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 you're just and we do that to Jesus we just scapegoat we scapegoat yeah. we scapegoat and scapegoat he taught me comes to uh, it used to be in the Old Testament the escaping goat mm-hmm. they would get a goat and they would put all of their evil into it and they would beat it until it ran away and mm-hmm. was a scapegoat mm-hmm. and we're still doing that mm-hmm. with everything mm-hmm. constantly this is why oh they're trending on Twitter I look I'm not trying 
Army Hammer is a troubled person and he's done fucked up things. Uh, I, I'm not up on the story, but I'm not letting him off the hook. That's also kinks coming out sideways. This totally. is what happens when you don't integrate. I don't know. Army Hammer just came up in my mind because I see him trending all the time and it's usually for bad reasons. But I'm not an expert, so please don't take this as a comment on that scandal other than I'm aware that he's done bad things mm-hmm. and he gets scandaled. Okay, that's fine. And let's uh, let's flog and, and, and hold accountable, right? Yeah. That's that's what we do. But don't forget the the shit in here, the, yeah. your shit. This is what we're doing with the race movement. Yeah. It used to be, I grew up my whole life, you, you'd say I'm not racist. And now the work is to say, I have prejudice. I have racism. It's yeah. in here. Yeah. It's in my unconscious. Mm-hmm. Or I don't, I hope I'm not acting on it, but like, it's about integrating it. Don't deny it. Yep. Don't deny that you love getting drunk and then weepily apologizing to your wife. All of it, mm-hmm. all of it is yep. is your kink. Let and and integration is Absolutely. all. Absolutely. Also, I just wanted to go back because I'm like having all of these. I'm having that like download of I've looked at this part of my this kink and that it's like showing me all these things. But like my divorce which I, I really haven't talked that much about in the on the podcast but I I left in a very nine way and uh, other nines that I am close with left their spouses in very similar ways mm. which is we don't talk about the fact that we're struggling uh, and that we're unhappy until one day we just are like that's it I'm gone I'm leaving and you know Usually, very similar to threes, by the way. Really, very similar. Yeah, interesting. A lot of every, almost every breakup I had was out of the blue to them. Wow, yeah, because it was too impolite. How could I be the greatest boyfriend in the world if I'm telling you <laughs> yeah. something you do really bothers me? Yes, like that's not good. Yeah, I, I should just love everything about you. So. It's, it's, there will be blood. I should have known you were building a case piece by piece. Yes, exactly. And you are. You build a case piece by piece, and then one day, you piece. Yeah, and you're like, peace, peace. Yeah, I mean, I it wasn't as simple as that. Definitely, my, my ex-husband and I had a lot of um, hard, difficult conversations, but he, I was actually surprised that he was so surprised when I said I was leaving. Um, but he was, and I had never said before you know, if this doesn't change, I'm going to leave. Like that was, that was a, our relationship could have, and he maybe perhaps even deserved for me to give that kind of warning before. But, you know, after I, I had left, he wanted to do counseling and be like, let's just work on this. And, and I, by then I was like, I can't even find a spark of will in my body right. to do that. No, I've done I'm, that. I'm so, uh, I, this has been so over for me for so long. Julian McCullough has a great bit about this or a very funny bit where he goes, you ever fully break up with someone in your head? Yeah. Like a hundred percent. Yeah. And then you see them and you realize you haven't done it. And you're like, oh, <laughs> oh right. Man. Fuck. I got to do this. And that's the nightmares like, that I have yeah. when I start nightmares, the dreams that I still have about my ex-husband, uh, some of them are really lovely where we're friends and, and I like, I'm like, I missed you as a friend, but a lot of them are, we're together and I go, Sh- I, shit, yeah. I thought I had already left you. I have to do that all over again. That's like so, com- I don't know if it's common, but it was me too. That My wife left me. Yeah. And then I knew I had healed when I started having, I'll say nightmares 
that we were together. Yeah. Not because she was horrible, but because it was like, well, clearly we're not supposed to be together. Yeah. I, I think she's flourishing. I'm flourishing. It yeah. was, it was, she was right. Yeah. And then you have this dream where you're just like at a dinner with my parents and with her and you're like, wait, what? Yeah. I thought. Yeah. And that's the feeling of when you break up with somebody in your head and you realize reality hasn't caught up to your brain. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And that's why, by the way, it, you, this is something that you, you love to like count, uh, uh, counsel people through breakups. Um, it's, a, it's a passion and it almost never works. It almost never works. And this is one They'll of the agree things- with everything I say and then a, a month later I'm at their wedding. Yeah. This is the thing that you always say that I'm like... That is the point of break like that it resonates with me so much and it hardly ever resonates with anybody else. But it's like you often talk to people who just broke up, like left a, a unhealthy. They broke up and they want to stay out. Yeah. Or they, they broke up and, and they're, they're thinking about getting back. Yeah. And you're like, you're out. You already did it. You don't, yeah, don't yeah. like, don't put yourself, respect the part of you yeah. that went through all of that and to don't get go to be you. Yeah. And don't go right back in yeah. and you'll, and like, to me, I'm like, yeah, we're not the type we're not, we didn't, neither one of us have the personality types to be in an on again, off again relationship because it was so devastating to us to turn that relationship That's right. off. I'd never do it again. But some <laughs> yeah. people, it might be their kink to come back, break up, yeah, come back, come sure. break up or whatever. Or just something that they subconsciously like. We don't always have to say kink, even though it's fun. Yeah. But I'm like, if you break out of Shawshank and you crawl through the shit tube <laughs> yeah. and you emerge through the vent, you did it. You did You it. did the thing. Yeah. I get so excited about that. And it's like, you just have to keep moving forward. Yes. And it'll only get easier every single day for you and for them. Yeah. Don't go back. Don't go back. I know. But so my kink... With that, um, kink. kink, I knew you were going to say that. It's like how I say pink. Pink. <laughs> um, with how I left was like, in my, I can really get in touch with the part of me that was like, I give away every part of myself to my husband at the time, to my friends, to the people who... Uh, who love us as a couple. Um, I give away every part of myself and mirror them and give them what they want. I am going to keep this secret that I am unhappy and that I am fucking getting out of here. I want to keep it as myself. I didn't tell my parents that I was unhappy in my marriage until I had pretty much decided to leave. My brother, who was very close with my ex-husband, didn't know. Nobody knew except for me, and I liked that. I liked that because it was non-confrontational. That was the, uh, you know, the the nine reason. But I'm sure, I mean, that is like a kink that I had. That yeah, I was of course. Like, I'm not going to give this part away. I'm going to do what I want to do because I never do that. And by the way, it's important to say I'm not in the right. In I mean, I can love that part of myself, but I recognize that I'm not in the right there that's not of course that's not very fair to my ex-husband or to anybody else and when i'm when i say that i gave all of myself away nobody was asking me to do that (laughs) right no i know you know that's what uh an ex-girlfriend of mine said to me 
which was very humbling and a teachable moment for me, mm. was I was like, what I do is I become the perfect boyfriend mm-hmm. and then I'm exhausted. Yeah. I start to resent you. Yes. For being the thing that makes me be the perfect boyfriend. Ah, uh, yes. And she said, I wish I, uh, it doesn't matter, only because it's favorable to them, but I'll, I'll keep it private. She goes, I never asked you to be the perfect boyfriend. Yeah. I never asked you to do that. Yeah. I never asked you to carry my burdens or fix all my problems. You did that. Yep. So she said that was false advertising. Yeah. You made it look like it was easy for you to ingest and solve my problems with me yeah. and to help me and to always have time and room and space for me. Yeah. You knew you portrayed that and that's all I have is what you portray. Yeah. And then inside you were going it's 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 not something I'm proud of, and I've had to work on it. Yeah, I'm happy to say that now, because of this and therapy and time and mm-hmm. and and nice ex girlfriends that would tell me that, mm-hmm. I was like, well, fuck, I have to stop. Yeah, if something is exhausting you privately and they don't even know, yeah, it isn't really fair. It isn't no. fair. No, it isn't fair. To build a case piece by piece, <laughs> and then one day just present them it is not with the fair. paperwork and yeah. be like, "Sorry, but I've." Uh, I, I I also think it's relatable. I bet people are listening and they're like, "Either that's happened to me, or I've done that, yeah. or I've done that in other situations," because it's impolite. I, I can feel impolite yeah. to voice your concerns in real time, and, and it still sort of does to me. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean we we actively work on that part of our relationship but we are under no illusions that like that is the if there is a sinkhole in this beautiful clear meadow of flowers that is our relationship if there is a pitfall it is is really hard to tell you i don't like somebody yeah exactly and same for me because we make a joke out of it yeah like i'll say i I, we probably said this before but i'll go Will you join me in my initiative to make sure there's not water behind the sink? Yeah. Because there's just like still water rotting the wood and the tile. And I'm like, <laughs> this is just a problem a bound to happen. Yeah. Like bound to eat our sink away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll just say, will you join me in my initiative to keep this dry? And you'll say, will you join me in my initiative to keep Leela's toys in this box? Yeah. Because, you know, that's way better. In my first marriage, it's embarrassing. If you saw footage of the baby talk and like mm. the way that we really tried to soften mm-hmm. in therapy. I remember, I think I talked about this, like a piece of shit came from my butt in the shower. Like I must've just had a piece of sh- like a, like a little piece, but it flew out and stuck to the wall. This is really gross. And I remember, uh, my ex saw it and I was just like, Oh, and I turned it into this bit. Mm. It's what I do. I was like, Oh, I got a little scoot. And like a little scoot on the wall. Like I started calling a little chip of shit a scoot. Oh, look, I got a scoot. And I'd, I'd do a million bits and I'd make her laugh and I'm laughing. Mm-hmm. And suddenly it's fine. I told my therapist at the time. And he was like, that's fucked up, dude. He goes, that fucked up. No, he goes, I, I was like, I don't really know how else to do it. Yeah. Like I'm embarrassed. It's gross. I'm a fool. I'm a monster. Who has shit in their ass in the mm. shower? Even now, I'm tempted to be like, I probably just went to the bathroom and I took a shower right out. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I will say in my own defense, this is the only time that's happened, that a piece of shit has flown from my ass Historically been a good wiper. Yeah, I'm a great wiper. We have a bidet now. It's all good. 
Um, but this, I, I told him about the scoot. Clearly, I, I knew something was a foot or a ass. Yeah. <laughs> something was a butt. Um, and I go, I just don't know what else to do. And he went, well, that's disgusting. You could just be like, oh, that's disgusting. Yeah. I'm embarrassed. Yeah. Instead of being like... Like Muppet Show, hard spotlight, red curtain parts, and I come out with Fozzie Bear like, whoops, a little piece of poop came from my butt. Little piece of poop, let's call it a scoot. It's a scoot, 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 scoot. I'm in rollerblades. That's so funny. Like, I didn't know how to do that. I didn't yeah. know how to be a grown-up. I think if you found a, a chip of shit in the, in, the, <laughs> in the tub, I'd just go like, I am a monster. Oh, God. Yeah. I'd do a different joke, but at least a more honest... And you are pretty quick now to be like, uh, you'll say, I'm, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. Which is such How a embarrassing. Thing. Yeah. Because you, you think you're supposed to keep your embarrassment to yourself and be like, oh, I see. <laughs> and in fact, there was, I'm embarrassed. there was a situation recently, which it was, I wanted to compliment you publicly on this, com- this podcast. Can't this wait. something that you do so well, where you, oh, I said, <laughs> I was looking at Instagram and I said, Oh, Katie is in vivo, and I meant Katie Lowe's, and you thought I meant Katie Fischel. So you were so you were already on your phone, and you just texted. I had been texting with Katie Fischel, who does the animations for yeah. this podcast all day. Uh-huh. We had too many fucking Katies. There's yeah. too many we fucking do have Katies. So many Katies. In so life. many Katies. You say Katie, I'm in the dark. I'm, yeah. I'm immediately lost in the woods. If you say Katie, yeah. And there was another Katie that uh, I just shot the pilot with, which, mm-hmm. you know, next time we do this podcast, we might have news on the Smallwood pilot, which oh, would be really exciting. exciting. Uh, so positive vibes for that, everybody. If you want to send pause up vibe. some pause vibes for that pilot to get picked up, it was so fun. Um, so Katie Lowe's got a part in something. Yeah. And I had Katie uh, Fischel on the brain. Yeah. And then, uh, I, and then you texted her, like, are you in Vivo? I think it's called Vivo. It's a new movie. Yeah. And she was like, what? And I went, not Katie Fischel, Katie Lowe's. And you were like, well, why would you be talking about Katie Lowe's? It wasn't even that loud. It was just like... I understand. Like, we don't... Katie Lowe's is a new person in our life. I didn't even know you followed her on Instagram. So I'm like, how could... My frustration in that moment was... How could it not even be one of our five already yeah. existing Katie's? Yeah. Now there's a new Katie. Yeah. And, the, uh, and then, so it wasn't even that extreme. You were just kind of like, why, why would I think you were ta- be, would be talking about that Katie? And then you went, I'm sorry. I'm just embarrassed that I made a mistake. <laughs> like you yeah. instantly just owned it and said, like, that wasn't about you. I was a, I'm, I'm glad you brought, not just because it's self-serving and makes me feel good. Um, and makes me feel good that other people can hear how great I am. But <laughs> that's a real tool. And yeah. I wish I, I wish for everybody to have the joy mm-hmm. of just showing your cards. Yes. Stop playing poker and just lay down your hand yeah. and say, I'm sorry. I was just embarrassed that I made a mistake. And like, then... Not even to you. I made a mistake that is embarrassing. And and you saw a little bit of the doughy, j- clammy junior high boy who really doesn't want to make mistakes. And he can just say, oh, fuck, I, this has nothing to do with you. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And only good can come from that. It's like the Brene Brown, like, vulnerability is king. <laughs> and like, if that's bad comes from that, uh, run in That's the opposite direction. The only only good can come from that because either 
the person will love your vulnerability. And if they don't like it. And then, or if it they don't and you feel unsafe in any way, you have a very clear answer that that is not a relationship you belong in. Dr. Seuss, be who you are because those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. Yeah. Thank okay. you, D. Seuss. Let me tell my funny story and then I'm And then we're read. out of here. We, got it. we only have a little more time. I know. We are going to read... A, 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 I was thinking... I know we've read it before on this podcast, but we could read Wild Geese because it's a soft animal of your body, you love. Oh. You know, which I is love what we're it. talking about. Yeah. Okay. So, um, just the whole, going back to the whole thing of loving your animal, uh, Lisa Gunger, my bestie, and I were talking about, we were in, sitting in our living room, and we were talking about how uh, the extent that we go to to deny our animal, like hiding the fact that we poop, any kind of sex shame, uh, hating our bodies, dissociating from our bodies. Like we just, as humans, have are in this place of evolution where we just are trying to completely deny our animal. And, and Lisa was like, it's so weird that we even think that the evolution is moving us away from the animal mm. because the animal has, she, it was such a brilliant point. She's so smart and wonderful. <laughs> um, she was like, we're using our like human, this of evolution of human, our logic to interpret the value of animals. Mm. And we have put ourselves, of course, above them in every way. Mm-hmm. And she's like, but animals run before hurricanes or before earthquakes. Before, they, before, before, not before them, them yeah. like a king, before they happen. Yeah. Animals know what berries to eat. Animals have all of this wisdom that we've completely lost touch uh, um, with. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh my God, that's such a good point. We like we're not any better than animals. We need to be like returning back to our animal. Alexa, make it cooler. <laughs> That's what I did in that moment. What? I I didn't tell the story. Great, I guess. Oh, that was a story. I thought you were just making that point. Yeah, no. So that's what I'm I said. sorry. No, it's okay. You did tell it well. I was also just thinking about what a great point it was. So in the middle of this, like we need to love the, the yeah body. You go, Alexa, make it cooler. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> Last night on stage, I, I talked about, I go, it's really awkward asking for that Jay-Z Kanye song. I go, Alexa, play N-Words in Paris. <laughs> That's a and great And then joke. she says, playing N-Words in Paris. And I'm like, thank, thank goodness. God. That's such a good joke. I love that joke. It's amazing. Okay. Also, speaking of Lisa Gunger, I want to make sure it's right. Yeah. No. Which one are you looking for? Now, there's a great song that uh, Gunger has about Why does man despise the body? Yeah, what is that song? Hmm. You you do the poem, I'll plug it in. Why does man despise (laughs) the The environment? Gunger. Okay. It is, the song is Tree. Oh. No, it's called Tree. Tree, yeah. Yeah, here it is. Yeah. It's such a good song. 
We'll, we'll end with it. We'll have Katie play this song. Okay, great. Okay, this is Wild Geese by Mary Oliver. You're probably very familiar with it. I've um, heard it a thousand times and I can't wait. I can't get enough of it. Yeah. Do you know that she started, by the way, this poem came from, she hardly ever or maybe never after this poem wrote a poem like finished in one sitting, like wrote it and then that was the draft. Oh, wow. So that's an interesting thing about this. Also, she wrote it trying to show one of her students about um, making definitive claims so it started just as like an example exercise oh wow and then it she just wrote the whole thing out and that was it and also the celtic image for god was a wild goose that's a fun fact that helps yeah so you see it starts with a definitive claim because that was the example she started with okay here we go you do not have to be good you do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. Speaking of place, that poem is a place. I go to the same valley where it's raining and the trees and the geese every time. It's so exactly what we are talking about by being like, let, let the you do not have to be good. No. Let the soft animal of your body love what it loves, and take your place in the family of things. Every part of you belongs. Yeah. God, she was enlightened. She's the best, Mary Oliver. Wish wish she was around to have her on the pod. She was incredible. Wish you were here. Um, all right, let's. We're gonna have Katie. Please play the song "Gunger" from the album "One Wild Life." After the "Keep It Crispy," we are gonna hear the song "Tree." Because I also think it applies to what very much to what we were talking about. I also just love Gunger. And Keep it crispy. <laughs> Keep it crispy. <laughs>
Divorce is by. 